Public Ambition is a PR and marketing agency built by women. We're currently operating in London and Lagos. We're also a platform dedicated to spotlighting and amplifying the voices of talented young women who are doing phenomenal things for themselves, for their communities and for the people around them. We really want our interviews to guide and motivate you through whatever stage you are in life, whether you're a student, starting your business or going through a life change. Thank you so much for tuning in and we hope that you enjoy it. Hey guys, it's Ray from Public Ambition and I'm one of the co-founders. We've also got Katie on the line. Hi Katie. Hey everyone. So like Ray's already said, I'm Katie and I'm co-founder of Public Ambition as well. I'm currently in Lagos actually because we're expanding into Nigeria. So for anyone who doesn't know about Public Ambition yet, um, thank, firstly thanks for tuning in. But we are a agency we're a marketing agency and consultancy but at the same time we also have a platform where we support young women all over the world who are doing amazing things so we hope you guys can take some educational value from these podcasts so today we have Vanessa so Vanessa is someone we've wanted to interview for a while we find her journey very inspiring and she's one of the women that we really look up to um, in the marketing industry so Vanessa at the moment is heading up L'Oreal Lux in West Africa so she's looking after brands such as Lancome, YSL and Omani um and we have her on board today just to share her journey and talk about her experience and how she got to where she is now. First heard about her on OK Africa on a feature that she was on. Um, so like followed her on Instagram, have been following her since. Firstly, like the girl is literally like so good looking. Um, and then she's French as well. So when she comes on board, she'll speak a bit more about like exactly where she's from in terms of ancestry. Um but yeah, like I said, her journey is like really, really motivating. And we just want to get to know a bit more about how she progressed to where she is now from one in the beauty blog. Um, just to throw it out there as well, we are recording this in quarantine, like raised in London. I'm in Lagos. Vanessa's going to be in Lagos. <laughs> so like just bear with us if there's any like, you know, vocal, like sound issues. I hope there won't be. But I think we have our first guest here so Vanessa <laughs> are you on the line yes I'm here hello hi Vanessa Amazing. Um, how hello. are you I'm fine thank you how are you we're good can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do yes of course my name is Vanessa obviously um I'm Cameroonian Lebanese I grew up uh, like till I was 15 in Cameroon and then I went to Paris for till I came in Nigeria so let's say two years ago, I like to say three, but it's false. Um, because at first I was coming for like one month or one week. and But this is the first year I'm actually here for like at least four months straight. So it's, uh, kind, okay. of, yeah, it's kind of amazing. Um, I made uh, marketing studies, like have two masters marketing. I did a little bit of um, economy as well in school when I was in Paris. And I was a writer for a fashion magazine in uh, in Paris, but I was in the mm -hmm. beauty beauty um, um, category of the fashion magazine. I came in Nigeria. Um, I came in Nigeria because I wanted to discover more Africa. I was very dumb at the time. I was a little young girl, just living my best life in France, and, <laughs> and I was not uh, having Africa in my mind that much. But then, little by little, I just wanted to visit stuff and. I knew that Nigeria was one of my dream destinations. I had, um, I had uh, Ivory Coast as, oh, uh, no, not Ivory Coast, excuse me. I had uh, Kenya and I had uh, South Africa. I went to Kenya. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, it's okay. It's nice. And I went to Nigeria and I loved the fashion week. 
And I was like, oh, I want to stay. I want to stay. But I had no jobs. I had just passion. And I had like uh, six cents. So I just came and uh, I was forced to be uh, the manager of Trace. It was not forced. But a friend, a friend that I <laughs> met here, a friend that I met here told me, yes, you should come to Trace Nigeria. They, they were searching for a project manager. And I said, no, I, I just came to visit. And, uh, and he told me too late. I already said you said yes. And you were going to work for <laughs> Trace Nigeria. So one thing out of another, finally, I stayed and I was doing all these uh, Instagram um, because I was a beauty blogger as well. So I was doing mm -hmm. all this Instagram uh, situation where I was showing looks in Nigeria because it's the first time I really felt African was coming in mm -hmm. Nigeria. Yes, because even my family is not quite African. So like, mm -hmm. like French side, etc. So I came and uh, I was doing all this Instagram um, Uh, lives and Instagram uh, uh, stories to tell the difference between African looks in Africa and looks in Paris and looks not looks in Nigeria sorry and looks in Paris and I had one of the CEO of L'Oréal uh, Afrique but in uh -huh. Paris who was following my page since forever as I was a blogger she really liked what I did and they were actually searching for somebody who represents the knowledge of Europe with their brands to the, to, to the African market. And actually, I think I just came across in terms of, um, in, I was ready actually, and I was a good profile apparently, and they called me and mm -hmm. they were like, oh my God, we saw that we are in Nigeria. We're searching for a project, for a manager there, for like the whole West Africa. What are your studies? What did you do? Can we have a CV? And that's how I, <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. That's so amazing. I think it's so nice to hear people just, you know, making a move somewhere else, like across the world, leaving all your family and whatnot, moving somewhere and then actually making something for yourself. So I think it's really interesting that actually you're from Cameroon um, and Lebanon. That's a very interesting mix. So can you share with us a bit about like your family dynamic and how that sets up in terms of growing up? Um, how are things in your household? Because I'm mixed race as well. And I feel like it was always very... Um, It's for when you're from two different, I mean, my mom's European, my dad's West African. And it's, mm. it was very interesting for me to see how those two cultures merge together. Um, so what was it like for you? I would like to say it's, uh, it's unique. It's unique. And for mm -hmm. nothing, I would change it. Because obviously, um, I first that I should tell, I lost my two parents. But oh, the sister, no. yes, it happens. I mean, so sorry for that. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, And I grew up at uh, around nine because my mother passed at nine. So I grew up with her sister, her sister, mm -hmm. which is a Lebanese as well, Cameroonian, and her husband is French. So mm -hmm. even in the mixity of my own, I had the mixity of the French. And so, ah, grew, that's so yes, exactly. <clears throat> so we grew up between French, Lebanon, and Cameroonian. And, um, and so with my siblings, cousins that I call brothers and, and, and sisters and my own brothers, We were very much a mixed family and it brings a lot of uh, understanding to, to everyone because obviously the old generation, we are mixed, but my grandfather is 100% Lebanese, my grandmother is 100% Cameroonese, and, and then my other, my uh, adopted grandmother is 100% French. So when we are all together, it's not like our generation that we're like used to travel a lot and open to others. Mm -hmm. It's very mm -hmm. much just 
strong different cultures that are in the same place and sometimes it's just funny to watch yeah <laughs> yeah so do you go to um have you been to Cameroon before yes, or, yes, yes, um, of Le- course. Lebanon ah yeah. nice okay and yeah. Lebanon as well or no, no, just Cameroon no, Lebanon no. I was more yeah, in Paris okay. than I'm more French in the in the daily than any other things ah, okay. yeah but African truly okay. in the heart first and because, no, because <laughs> like clearly my first, uh, but I know Paris more than anything, any other places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So also, I think one thing that really stuck out to us from your profile was this concept of, you know, luxury in Africa. And I think through a lot of conversations that we've been having in Africa, it's kind of like a lot of people are arguing that actually luxury doesn't really exist in Africa yet. Like we're getting to the point of a lot of independent brands or established brands who are pushing across that luxury narrative. But what does it actually mean to be a luxurious brand within Africa? And like in relation to your job, um, do you find that people understand the concept of luxury when you're pushing that across? I think I think it's very uh, a complex um, complexity. I don't know how to say it. complex. A compl- yes, complex. a complex uh, <laughs> um, point of view because. Mm-hmm. It depends on what people consider as, as looks. In in a lot of people's mind, looks is just price. If it's expensive, mm-hmm. it's looks. Mm-hmm. In few other situations, it's more about the experience that you have with a product. Mm-hmm. It's more about like the 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 rarity, the rare. Uh, how can I say it? If it's not everywhere, then it can be looks. But what I do, yeah. what I do know about like African Af- looks in Africa is that we don't have all the codes that it takes to be very much luxe because you might have the most expensive things, but it's not well presented. And I feel like mm-hmm. luxe, it's a mix of everything. It's a mix of the store you go in, how it smells, the staff that you, mm-hmm. the staff that you uh, trained to like the, the fashion advisor or beauty advisor or whatever that you train to actually portray perfectly your brand and what you stand for the whole dynamic of the visuals and the and the graphics and what the storytelling of your of your brand and i feel like this is something that is lacking because we don't have the structures yet to very much represent the looks at his at his finest because mm-hmm. you, you might have the the most chic uh, amazing gown because i love the gown here and then you go to the store and you don't find the same uh, the same thing that you're searching for you it's not even mm-hmm. if it's like for example a fancy price you will never find mm-hmm. the same experience and this is mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that we have to work more on even for international brands who comes here there are things that we cannot for like necessarily do because we have standards to keep for the brands if i take the brands where for which mm-hmm. i'm working with because i'm working for uh, armani i'm working for ysl and uh, lancome mm-hmm. etc mm-hmm. valentino so whatever mm-hmm. i do i cannot just do in any places i want i cannot do with just any people i i would like because we mm-hmm. have to keep a certain standard that is international and for now we don't have always our international standards in the continent mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. So how do you deal with that situation then? Um, say you had to do, for example, act, and act, I'm not too sure what kind of, um, what exactly your responsibilities are, but we'll come on to that. But if you had to do, say, like an event in Nigeria, for example, 
um, and you had to have do you have to focus on like say the influencers that might be doing activations for like fashion shows and whatnot or do you have to is there a second category of people that you have to look out for and how do you find these people of course so um i found them different way differently i mean some people is out of networking you just go to an event and they're there and you like their pictures and you like like the way they portray themselves etc but it's kind of, of a, not a long process but a kind of a very structured process then you have this list that you first put on like the list that i like i just like them i saw them on instagram or i see them on the street like not the street obviously but on on the mm-hmm. on events and i i do this mm-hmm. list and then you have the pr because we have pr companies and they suggest us as well some of the some of the influencers are, are the of the bloggers or whatever and mm-hmm. and between this thing you have what we call a, a background research to know if they mm-hmm. to know if first of all they portray the brand the, for example um somebody who is more edgy will never be Lancome somebody who is edgy will be more YSL so you have to know mm-hmm. if, if the person you like is fitting what you want to do with 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 the brand and um and then you have to make a background check of their reputation in in uh, in Nigeria because obviously I don't know I'm not Nigerian I don't know like mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you might see like one million follower two million follower and the PR would tell you be careful because this woman don't have a re- but good reputation this man is mm-hmm. used to to be a fake person who wear maybe fake brands so you don't you don't want to mix your brand with people who portray mm-hmm. fake things so we mm-hmm. had this mm-hmm. uh, little uh, what I would call like uh, boussole how do you say boussole in, in uh, in English, a boussole is the, oh. the thing that helps you to find the north, you know, the machine. Oh, compass. Comp- yeah, compass. Oh, compass. Yeah. Okay, so, so because if I see somebody that I really like and I tell the peer, oh, can you check this person? It's time. So you have this. And then when it's all structured, because I'm the link between Paris and, and Nigeria. So I would just tell mm-hmm. like out of like a, a call or like um, a meeting, yes, her, there are the profiles that we took, etc., etc. And if we have to take just like five, and we cho- you, we chose ten, they will say, oh yes, we really like these these ones. What do you think about this? And then we have our best fives. So it's not just me telling, oh, I like these things, I like these people, mm-hmm. let's take them. No, we have to very much know that they are well aligned with what we represent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, it, for a lot of corporate companies, there's also a lot of um, different people and a lot of different departments. Um, so I think that relates to what you're saying now, where um, you're not just the decision maker. There's so many other people that you have to mm-hmm. um, align with as well. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask you is how has your transition been in terms of um, coming from Paris and living in Paris to now working in Nigeria? How have you found the transition? Because... Um, Obviously, like you said, the standards are completely different um, in, like, let's say, Europe um, to Africa. And I think at the moment, as um, Africans or African countries, I think we're still behind in um, quite a few things. So how are you finding the transition? At first, I would say I was very fan. I was very, uh, mm-hmm. oh, I love Nigeria. Oh, my gosh. Nigeria is so amazing. <laughs> I, I love when I say everything, even the... The traffic, I was finding, I was finding the traffic exotic. You know, I was like, oh, it's like kind of nice. You get to stay in the car. It's a... But then when it really hit me, is one day I, I think I, I did three hours in the traffic and I cried so much that night. 
<laughs> I cried a lot. I will not lie to you. I cried a lot on little things because obviously the most, I think the most difficult thing to deal with is the delay of everything in Nigeria. Mm. I'm a very mm-hmm. speed person in general. If I have 10 things to do on the day, I will do the, things, the, the 10 things and I might even do 12. In Nigeria, if mm-hmm. I have 10 things to do, I might be able to do three things if I'm well organized and I'm very much harassing <laughs> people to actually do these things with me. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. And, and the, how can I say, dealing with um, mentalities are very different. First, mm. it's not even because it, we are all Africans, but a Francophone mentality is so like, it's the opposite of an Anglophone mentality. So these are the things mm. that I had like a hard time understanding first i was like people are strange people are aggressive people are weird and people are you know but at at, at a certain time i was like okay no it's not there they're just different it's a different way of uh, mm. so i have to adapt in mentality that is like not mine um to mm. to, to fit more and to understand more when it doesn't go my way like when i say my way is not me as an individual but it's me as a cultural opposite uh-huh. so yes uh-huh. there is just difference not better not worse not it's just different yeah, yeah no definitely I, I think really relate with that I mean like I I moved back to Nigeria six months ago uh-huh. after actually growing up here and like I was the same I love it so much and there's <laughs> been days I've just had to cry yeah. and I think like my this is when I was still taking Ubers before I was driving here and like my Uber drivers would just be thinking this girl is actually insane like why are you crying <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah I've definitely been there too yeah Ray, were you gonna ask a question no I was gonna say um I was just gonna talk about our event that we did um for Canon in yeah. Abuja so this was um our first event um in Africa actually and um we were hosting a dinner um and curated a dinner for Canon um in Abuja And literally, when I mean everyone was late, so all the vendors were late, um, they were just working so slow. And me and Katie yeah. were so frustrated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how we didn't end up in tears that day. Um, yeah. But yeah, we were just so frustrated. And they have they had no like level of urgency. Like here in the UK, like if you're running late, you're going to do everything that you can do to make sure things get done as quick as possible. And I just think we found that in Abuja, it was just like completely different. Um, they were just so laid back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's literally most places in Africa. Because when I go to Zanzibar, um, which is where I'm from as well, yeah, um, everyone's bad. also so chilled. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I've been to Mswini, who is very near Zanzibar. It's a yeah, Mswini is very. I mean, it's like maybe one hour from Zanzibar, so it was like on the coast of uh, Ocean India, right? Ah. Indian Ocean. Yeah, yes. uh-huh. and, it's just, yeah. and I always wanted because I told you I went to Kenya and I was in Mswini, uh-huh. so I always wanted to just go like one hour, and I did not, but it's still in my head. Ah, oh, you should yes, have. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's so beautiful no but to to get back in the cultural situation for example we wanted to make an an Armani uh, private event uh, last year and at the Mm -hmm. around the end of the year and um, Armani Privé is like the most exclusive exquisite uh, luxurious uh, brand of Armani uh, fragrances and um, Mm -hmm. and so we asked the menu for our peer to give us the menu etc and on the menu I remember they they had put snails and and uh, uh, soya and stuff. And I was like, oh, Paris is going to kill me. I cannot present this to Paris. And they were like, no, but you mm-hmm. know what? That is what people eat here. That's what they like here. You cannot make an event without having 
good food for them to hang on to. You cannot just have yeah. Italian mm -hmm. food. And it's because I was telling them, yes, uh -huh. Armani is an Italian brand. We should have burrata, uh, carpaccio. And, uh -huh. and they were like, no, you can never make somebody eat meat <laughs> or, or raw meat. And this is the, the structure that I have to make understand to the French, uh, the, because L'Oréal is a French group. So I have to make understand mm -hmm. to Paris Bureau that we might have a little, just a little soya or just a little poof poof, whatever. So they can understand. Puff. They're like, if you do that, we don't want to know and we don't want to see it on paper. So right, I'm still okay. trying to find the balance, but the, the event has been canceled for other uh, other reasons. But um, yeah. that's the part where you you feel like okay, we are in Nigeria, so we have to adapt mm. in a certain way, but without without making fall the brand. And this is the tricky, uh, the complex part. Yeah, yeah. Uh. I must about... say, this accent is so sexy. Ouch. You're like Jane Lauren. I'm like, Thank you. I love it. Gosh, you have no idea how I try to have... Me, I love the American accent, for example. So each time I have my American friends who are like laughing because English accent makes like very high level standards type of... You will say, cup of tea. Something like this, right? Yeah. <laughs> With some biscuits or like something. <laughs> and me, I'm trying so hard to have the American accent because obviously I watch all my movies in, in like, they're of, like, from Hollywood. So I train myself. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. But I can guarantee you, it's because you're meeting me now. If you meet me at night, when my brain is so already tired, I, I will really <laughs> speak like this because I cannot pretend anymore to, like, you, you, will, you will literally be a very French accent like you never heard before. But but now I'm trying to roll the R's and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I love, I love it. No, and it makes you different as well. You don't hear like, especially like living in the UK or even for people in America, you don't really hear um, French accents that much. So yeah. it's nice to have a change of accent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's um, one thing we were, when I was in we were doing our research before this interview. Uh, we, I found this article. I think it was OK Africa. Mm -hmm. And it was in 2018 or, or so, and it was about your blog and what you were yes. doing, I think, maybe pre-L'Oreal, maybe during. Free. But it, had made, it made a really interesting point that you were somebody that was kind of pioneering the inclusion of black women within, like, French promotional adverts for makeup brands and beauty yes. brands. So that's something that I think we found really, really interesting and powerful. So can you tell us a bit more about that and your concept behind your blog and exactly what it was about? Of course, of course. I will, I will start by saying this. Each time you start something, I will give the advice to never start into complaining always. Start for to build your community first, to build whatever you stand for first. And when you have enough power mm. to speak, speak. Because, you know, everybody always say they judge people that have the coverage but don't speak out loud. Maybe they're they are having more um, strategies behind. And I knew that my strategy in Paris was to very much be um, inclusive, that the brands could be more inclusive. Because even as a beauty blogger or as a writer for a magazine, I knew that all the time we were receiving things, it was white-oriented. And you would tell me, okay, mm -hmm. creams mm -hmm. are not white-oriented, like uh, lipsticks are not white-oriented or stuff. But still, it was when it came to shades. 
when it came to shades of lipsticks because it was very light or blushes or eyeshadows and and I was very tired of just doing this of always like making all these beauty um, uh, um, texts or beauty articles about like how how the mm-hmm. brand was great because the brand was great, but something was missing. I was missing in the picture. People like me was missing in the mm-hmm. picture. So until mm-hmm. I got very strong in terms of, um, uh, uh, how can I say, in, ter- in terms of impact, not in terms of content, mm-hmm. because in terms of content, I was always strong. But in terms of impact, mm-hmm. I got invited to places where there was just products for white. And I was because they wanted, you know, some brands, not intentionally. Now I know that all the time it's not intentionally, but they need to bring mm-hmm. some blacks around just mm-hmm. to have the the, the, stem, the, the stem exactly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. So I, I went to one of the events. I was so tired of all these events, and I was like, we were two because we were just, we were never more than three in all the events in Paris. Never more than three. Uh, fashion shows, uh, uh, press uh, press days, uh, events, launchings. We were never more mm-hmm. than two. Or no, three. Let's say three sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I just wrote an article like that I went to a great event just to drink uh, champagne and just to eat uh, uh, food. But nothing was for me and nothing was for my peers. And, and this is a shame mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. So they contacted me and they said like they were very sorry they didn't do it inter- intentionally and they would try to have more shirts for black people and they asked my advice. So we went to consulting situation and then they brought more shades to 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 Paris because you know that they mm-hmm. all, in general brands has more shade in the US for example than they have mm-hmm. in Paris. So they brought more shades and they did put more shades. They tagged me on the more shades of the the store that they did. And then they invited me and I was like so proud. And I was like, wow. So I made back an, mm-hmm. another article to mm-hmm. congratulate them and to say that other brands should be inspired. But we have less less problems like this these days. But at the beginning, yes, mm-hmm. at the beginning, it was very much that. And if it weren't for people who stood up a little, I don't think we'll be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just going off that, so in terms of, you know, you wrote the blog post, did you find that, did you have like a very high readership where a lot of people engaging with it? Or was it just that the brand, you tagged the brand? And no, everybody. The post, so they everybody, because whatever stands for um, diversity will always speak to my community. Mm-hmm. And because I'm very frank in my speeches, it makes me strong. It made mm. me very strong in terms of readers, in terms of we are going to listen because she's not a liar. I've been working for some brands. Mm. I've been working even, even I can name them because they will confirm even Chanel at some point I was working with Chanel in terms of blogging and they sent me some products mm-hmm. that were not quite good into quality. And, and I, and mm-hmm. I been, I, I was honest on, on my blog and I said honest things. They wrote me back and they were like, yes, you should have told, told us uh, offline, which is also a solution. I agree. But to make a stand mm-hmm. offline always don't work because they, they would just mm-hmm. like tell you something and they would not screenshot because I am working for a brand now. If somebody tells me something offline, I might just tell it to maybe my colleague or maybe. Mm-hmm. So we, we want to internally very much repair it at a little level. A level where it would just come mm-hmm. to target. But if you put it online and I see it, now I have to make a report. Or whoever see it, sees it has to make a mm-hmm. report. And it's bigger in terms of visibility. Because if one, if not one, but yeah. two, but three, but ten people say the same thing, that might be an issue. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And I think you're also putting pressure yeah. on the brands to do something about it. Like you said, I think when um, something is said internally, they have they don't have to technically make a stand or uh, make any changes because no one knows yeah. anyway. But I think when something is put out in public, especially now where digital um, social media and, um, you know, websites have such a massive reach and engagement, it can be quite detrimental for a brand. So I definitely think like, um, that's the way to do it now in order to make a stand. And they um, mostly, and so they yeah, mostly no, take I... it the good way. When they're honest, they mostly, because Chanel take it, took very much the, um, in, a, in a good way. They very much uh, did it. Mm-hmm. But one brand one day, uh, I can even name them. Uh, they, they wanted to sue me. They sent me a letter and stuff like this because they burned my face out of a product for like uh, spots, dark spots. And they even paid, and they mm-hmm. even paid the, the, the dermatologist who would have, uh, who, who made me, who gave me some treatments, etc. So I said it online. They were like, yes, we're going to sue you, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's insane. Um, so one thing that I wanted to ask you, I think in terms of like your journey, you've kind of um like progressed from like being a blogger to now working like behind the scenes and working for all these um high-end brands. Um did you face any challenges being firstly a woman and secondly a woman of color in an industry that lacks diversity? Um, and what some what are some of the challenges that you might have gone through, and how did you overcome them? I would not say I would not see them as challenges because I'm a woman or I'm black. I would say mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I'm too much speed and passionate, and I have a hard time mm-hmm. sometimes um, being patient about things that should be changed. Because I have the I have a, mm-hmm. I would say hybrid brain because I'm I'm in mm-hmm. one side a blogger, in another side the brand. And I know that bloggers mm-hmm. and brands are very much into an invisible fight. Bloggers want to be more paid and, and brands want to make them work for free. So mm-hmm. sometimes I know when I see our, our plans, for example, and I see that, oh, I might need this, this, this bloggers and this is the budget and this is our influencer or whatever. And this is a budget. I have to find the perfect balance, for example. So, so I don't make lose too much money to the brand and I have to respect the bloggers. And I have this hard time. Mm-hmm. The other challenge that I would say is very much, as I, as I said before, the cultural challenge. When you want things to go very well here, but you cannot, to, in order mm-hmm. to be very much fitted to the culture, you have to step down some structures of the brand. And it's not easy to mm-hmm. make it validated because it can't. You cannot bring YSL or, or Armani and, and sell, like, and, and make it fit in in places that are not fitting the brand so it's that's very mm-hmm. challenges, ch- challenging and I will just say mm-hmm. at the end because it's an industry more dominated with women I don't have this issue I don't have the issue of mm-hmm. men and, because most of the, the, the people around me are women all in, in the same industry I would just say that mm-hmm. you have to be very careful because when you go to seminars like we were in Dubai, you meet a lot of other women in the same industry and all they want mm-hmm. is to take your market and maybe your job. So mm-hmm. as soon as you know that people, like mm-hmm. whoever you talk to wants your job, it makes you almost like more careful about who you want to be around with. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I think that can relate to like most most things in life, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay, so also, I think I was looking at one of your posts on Instagram and the caption said something. I think you had had an event and it was, um, I don't know how to pronounce this. Idol. 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 Idol launch. And in your caption, you said like um, you went through some, like the event was really successful despite major setbacks, like personal and professional. So I don't want you to go into like whatever your personal problem issue was, obviously, but in terms of when you're, you know somebody in that kind of high position of power within the company that you're working for um how do you deal with personal setbacks like if you have to like deliver an event and things are going wrong already um and then on top of that you have like personal problems as well how do you actually just focus on achieving your goal um and not get sidetracked by everything else yeah i would say that i'm very i have strengths and weakness like everybody but in my weak, I know my weakness enough to not fall into them, and it's it's more. Imp- I, mm-hmm. I think it's more important to know your weakness so you can just drop them aside and focus on your strengths, you know. And I think that I'm in general a very positive person, and what I do know is what I can control. What I cannot control, I know that I cannot do anything, so I just cry over it, and I try to not miss what I can do. And this is when, when, when I wrote this post because a lot of things were going in my private life and, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't just like handle something. It was just a disaster. And I was, I was like, no, let mm-hmm. me not lose what I, what I know to, how to do, what I can control. Let me just very much focus until everybody mm-hmm. stops and then I can cry louder when I, when I can just mm-hmm. control everything work wise so i was like let me just focus let uh-huh. me just focus i would not lose my job or i would not lose obviously i would have not lose my job but i would have looked like an incompetent uh-huh. person and i hate being incomp- like look like an incompetent when it comes to work uh-huh. Uh-huh. human side is more uh-huh. like whoever you're in front of you're not we're not standard so it, it depends on who you have in front and who you are but um but work is i would not say it's mathematics but either you're good or you don't or, or you're not, and if you're, if you're mm-hmm. not, you have to yeah. improve, and if you're good, you have to improve. So whatever you do, you always have mm-hmm. to do something more. And I was like, no, let me mm-hmm. just focus on this thing, focus, focus, focus. And when everybody, everything dropped, and, I, and it was okay, and it was safe, I said, okay, now I can, I can cry more, because I was already crying, let's be, let's be clear, but I can cry <laughs> more. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I think those situations are just, I think everybody, I think it's important for people to know that everybody kind of goes through those days. Like, no matter where you are, what level you're at, like, you might just be starting out, you might be established, you still have your bad days. Um, and it's really important to just it's, kind of get and it's, through it's it. It's very, really. I, I would say it's mm. even crucial. And I learned that the hard way when I was around 23. I've been hacked and stuff. And I was like very much put on all social media and, and I was like so crying. I was very depressed. And I, I called my mom and I was like, no, I want to leave this place. I don't want to do anything. Uh, I, and I think I was finishing my master too. And I, and I said to her, no, mm-hmm. I'm done. I don't want to do anything, etc. And I was, when I say I was depressed, I think I was very depressed. And, and my mom told me, when I say my mom is the sister of my mama. And my mom told me, Vanessa, mm-hmm. in few months, this thing will be over. You're not going to fuck up your life. I'm sorry to say it this way, but you're not going to fuck up your <laughs> life. Okay. You're not going to fuck up your life because people were like mean or you had like major issues that you cannot control already. So what you can do right now mm. is just have your master two. And when you have your master two, you're free. 
you're not going to mess up. And she was very clear about that. And she said, I will not leave you the choice to put yourself down because of other situations going on. You finish what you came to do. Mm -hmm. And when you're done that, then we'll see. And actually, she was right. Because if mm -hmm. I haven't done it, I would for a single thing that, that made me sad for a year or something, I would have lost like decades of opportunities. And since mm -hmm. then, I was like, each mm -hmm. time I have an issue, yeah. if I have something to do, let me just control what I can and freestyle what I cannot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah no, definitely. So what and freestyling what I cannot, I, I should, <laughs> once, to find the balance, one should work. Yeah. yeah sure. <clears throat> so I love what you said about what your mom said to you. Um, and in terms of, but in terms of education, so are you saying you yeah. have two master degrees? Wow. That's crazy. So so what wow. was it that you studied? Market market advertising. Yeah. And then so for your other masters? Like economy. Ah, uh, okay. Right, nice. okay. And do you feel like how going to uni and studying was crucial to your career do you feel like you could have achieved what you've achieved today without that degree or would you rec advise people to actually go to university oh, and study? this is a tricky situation because I always say to people my mom will come for this that my biggest regret is to have made studies this is my, I literally I literally <laughs> tell this and she wants to pull her head off I think it's but I think to be honest it's reassuring to know that you have two masters it's reassuring mm. to know that mm -hmm. um Uh, whatever happens to me, I will always have a good job where I would not like be, where I would be able to just be in an okay situation. But mm -hmm. I think that deep down, I was very, I'm still, I, I still, I'm very an, an entrepreneur in my, in the course of who I am. And I, and mm -hmm. what made me being chosen by L'Oréal was not my degrees. It was more my, my experience And my blogging Your experience, and the way that yeah. I was mm -hmm. showing things and the analytic part of myself, that had nothing to do with my studies. What helped me is that when they asked my CV, I gave them my CV and they saw oh, she has two masters and she's this and she's that. And so they saw that, okay, I was in scholarship, like a scholarship in mixed notes and that I was having a, a, a diplomas and stuff. But mm -hmm. if it was just me, I would have created my own brands years ago. I would have, uh, I would have mm -hmm. uh, continued a blog. Maybe I would have even been picked by L'Oréal. Who knows? But we were still in a, in the world where degrees were kind of the guarantee of what you could do. And uh, mm -hmm. what would I recommend to people? I would tell them. <sighs> I would not tell them don't go to school. Obviously. Because it brings, it, brings other it brings other skills, like waking up every day, yeah. like uh, interacting with people, having network or not being shy and being structured enough mm -hmm. to just know that it gives you a routine. You know, you're not like just freestyling. Like, mm. And um, I would tell them, do what it takes to survive when, it, when your plans go wrong. So if, if you mm -hmm. want to create your own... Um, brand or your own uh, uh, projects and you know that if you don't go if you don't go okay how do i do how do i fall back on my feet if you know that the degrees will help you then go for it no. yeah. yeah i mean i totally agree i think um in terms of like having a degree sometimes it's not about what you study but sometimes yeah. it's about the experience of going to university or having an education 
I think like you said, like you really understand how to um, like appreciate having a routine, how to have a structure in your day, but also like how to adhere to deadlines. Exactly. And all of these things are things that when you're an, an entrepreneur or when you're even someone who's working in a larger company, these are things that matters. Um, so sometimes it's not all it's not always about the content of your degree and what you study, but more the different things that you can get out of it and the life skills exactly. that you get out of it. So, yeah, I think um, definitely, I think especially for our generation of people and like the people who have come um, before us, who have come from different countries as well. I think um, like my parents came to the UK so that me and my sisters could have a better education. So for us, it, like having a degree was just inevitable. It wasn't even something that we thought about. It was just something that we knew had to happen. But I think as the younger generations, um, they've had like several family members that have been in this country. I think that pressure is slightly less for them because they, <laughs> they've been in the country for yeah. such a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So Vanessa, I want to touch on, on finance a bit as well. Um, because obviously I think one of, in terms of moving, especially like moving country and having the free will to travel, I think obviously you have to have some kind of financial security to be able to do that. But also, you know, a lot of people are just down to take the risk. So in terms of like, firstly with the blogging, how did you find, was that lucrative for you? Were you able to make any money from it? Um, or did you have to just save a lot? Like what was your strategy in order for you to like move to Nigeria? Um, how did you maintain your finances with that kind of My luck is that, as I told you, I had already a job and I had my blog. So mm-hmm. my blog was like, I was gaining money out of my blog, but not enough to like rent a whole house or, or like travel as I, w- mm-hmm. I wanted, etc. But I was like very, I was kind of comfortable at a point where, when I stopped having my, my job, my uh, writing job, the blog was still helping me to, mm-hmm. how can I say, maintain my lifestyle, but not mm-hmm. on a renting point, mm-hmm. obviously. So if I came, for example, in Nigeria, I was like more at the hotel. I was like, uh, I was at Tiosi Hotel at some point, And then I was at uh, Victoria, um, what's the name of the, is it Victor, Victoria? Victoria, no, no, it was uh, one thing in uh, Victoria Island. It was a, uh, Head Southern, no, Southern Sun Hotel. It was Southern, Southern Sun Hotel. Okay. Southern Sun. Yes, and I, and I even had a friend who, uh, she, she's from London, but she came at Dustin Hotel and she was ne- negotiating for me, but it was still expensive, to be honest. I think it's, it's normally 35,000 Naira. Yes, and I negotiated Myra, for 25, yeah. so 25,000 Naira daily. It was kind of expensive, but thankfully, my, um, my blog, was having me this type of money. You know, I don't have like a lot of contracts, but the contracts that I had were good. So I was like, okay, let mm-hmm. me do that, do that, etc. I had my savings. And obviously this job, mm-hmm. now that I have my apartment, etc. this job like really helps in terms of, um, in terms of uh, finance. But clearly I'm an adventurous person in general, like I said at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So when I landed in, I would say like drop myself in Nigeria, I had no plans. I just, I just went lucky enough, mm-hmm, and even mm-hmm. my job with Trace, I didn't want it to do it at the point where when they told me you'll be paid this amount, I told them, no, I, I want this amount. And I told them that I wanted to be paid in Euro and I gave them the, I gave them a huge mm-hmm. amount for them to just say no. And they said, yes. 
and mm-hmm. and I was like, what? <laughs> so I worked for them, and and that's, that's that made me think think about one sentence that says, "In life, you don't have what you deserve; you have what you negotiate." Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's uh, a very good and one. when I had this job for Trace Nigeria, I already I just came for a month to visit, but I was. No, I would not say forced. I had to because it was a great, it was a great experience. <laughs> so I worked for them and I had this big money mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, let me just stay a little bit more. So then, you know, send one thing mm-hmm. out, out of one, another. And then I worked for the Intra-African Trade Fair for like maybe two months or three. And I was still paying mm-hmm. and I still had my blood money. So when I want to travel, when I wanted to travel or to live new experiences, I was just using my blood money. You know, my blood at this point, my blood money. Right. Was okay. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was more becoming a um, vacation type of money that I wanted to use for shops. For, uh-huh. Yeah. And I was making savings with the money of my so, work. So basically, yeah, it helped a lot in okay, terms yeah. of saving money because you had extra money that you can play with, and your full money that you get, you can still. Uh, so just um, listening to you, it seems like you're quite um, responsible when it comes to money. Is there something that you learn um, or have you always been really good with money? Because I know, especially like our generation, I think a lot of people struggle with knowing how to save or, um, you know, it's quite foreign for them. So is there something that you've always been good at or is there something that you had to train yourself? To I do? would say I've always been, I always been this by accident and everybody loves, everybody loves about me mm-hmm. all the time because I have. <laughs> And I tell you that, in all honesty, I had I have no idea of what costs money, what's the value of money. I have no. When I say it, even till this day, I don't care enough to mm-hmm. know the value of money. And and even my mm-hmm. my my friends or family are like wondering like, how do you make savings with the things you buy? And and I just know mm-hmm. what I can do and cannot do. And in the between, I do whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's literally my thing. And um, <laughs> and when I say I have no value, you have no idea. Like, no idea. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the, the only thing that I, I allow myself to do is with the extra money that I have. When I say, like, extra money that I have. I hate spending, for example. I hate spending but if I spend, I spend a lot. So it's, there is no in between. It's no in between. Okay. It's not. It's, there is just no in between. And um, and what oh. did I wanted to add about this? I think that's that's. Oh yeah, I always I always had it because even that's when I was younger, that. I don't know if you remember the Nokia uh, 3310. Uh, uh, yes. Uh-huh. I wanted yeah. it so bad, and I had my pocket money that our parents were giving us, and I. And I was not spending a, like even a cent just because I wanted to buy this phone. At that time, it was very expensive for a teenager to have. So until I got all this money, mm-hmm. I said like, yes, I will spend it on this. So for whatever I wanted, I knew how to save enough years. I would not even say a month. I would say years just to have it, you know. <laughs> so I think it came for like wanting something and just saving enough to have it. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really, I think that's a very, very great way of like living life. I think when I was younger, I was actually really good at saving. I don't know why or how. Maybe because like there's less distractions. But as I get older, it's just gone out, gone out of the window. I'm so bad at saving. So, 
it's good to hear somebody else talk about like their life and the benefits of actually being able it to is and, and you have to yeah. and you have to be so wise because even when i i started working for l'oreal they were like okay this will be your salary this will be this this will be that and here is your contract mm-hmm. and here is your contract because i was a blogger so i had to have a contract of non-competition Mm-hmm. obviously because uh-huh. they don't have a profit like mine in the company all the time where you because as a blogger i was talking about a lot of other uh, other um, other brands and i told and i told them well brands, uh-huh. if you have if you want to have a contract of uh, a non-competition here is what i'm gaining when i talk about other brands and here is what you're asking me to get uh, to get rid of so you can increase mm-hmm. my salary then because this is what I'm losing by signing this. Mm-hmm. And it actually worked. It actually worked. So oh, I was okay. like, okay, yeah. perfect. So, you know, even by, even by when I spend, I know that there is a certain amount that I can, that mm-hmm. I can still play mm-hmm. with. You always have to have the amount that you know that you can play with. So when you know how much you can play with, then you save a lot. If you don't have a fixed amount of, of how many yeah. you, how much you can play with, you will always find the crossing line, flirting with what is necessary to keep, what is you know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, no, definitely. One thing we haven't spoken about, and I feel like this is one of the first conversations I've had in this period, but I haven't asked somebody how are you dealing with COVID and everything <laughs> that's going on right now? Because <laughs> of course, it's obviously impacted your work and everything, but what's your days like? Are you still working? Like what's going on? He has on impacted on the worst way. On the worst, when it's on the worst way, <laughs> yeah. it's, not even, it's not even like numbers wise. It's like hours of work wise because we work like crazy people right now. And yeah. because I'm so frustrated, I would not lie to you. My boss will tell me if she listens, but... I told yeah. them, since I came in this company, I told them, we have no digital structure. It's crucial for us to have the digital mm-hmm. structure. And everybody was saying, except her, she was agreeing, but then you have to convince the bureau, the Paris from the, 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 the bureau from Paris. And they were like, mm-hmm. no, for now, our strength is like physical. We have, we have to push through it. We have to do this and that. So I created mm-hmm. a whole plan for 2020 strategies in terms of business development, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It was a physical plan, like for shops, for uh, Mm -hmm. uh, 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 events, for lunches and stuff. And I told them, literally, quote my my sentence, I told them, if something happens and we have to have a crisis communication, if a crisis happens and we have to have a communication Mm -hmm. online, we will be absent because there will be nothing. We don't, we're not there. And mm-hmm. at that point, I was not even knowing that COVID would come. And when COVID came, because mm-hmm. no one is that much into digital than me in the company in like where we are in, uh, in Nigeria and Ghana, because I'm also in Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody was now out of a sudden counting on me to do all the strategy for 2020 in digital in, uh, mm-hmm. for two, in two weeks. Something that you, it might take you months yeah, to yeah. do. So I was like, oh my gosh, I was mm-hmm. not sleeping yeah. even till now. I was not sleeping. <laughs> you see, we had a hard time, like, even, like, having this conversation today. I was not having a break. I was just not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, I think um, it's so important, like, to have a presence in, like, on um, digital media right now as a business, because, right, like, and this is just um, apparent, like, all the companies that have a physical and online presence are the ones that um, are surviving, whereas the ones that just have a physical presence are doing um, so bad. So, like, an example is Primark. I think they were making, like, I, can't, I think it was like 600, it was like 600 million wow. yeah, a week or um, something a silly, month. a month, sorry. Um, something silly like that. But then they don't have, you're not, you can't buy their stuff online. So they've literally lost out on so many opportunities um, that they could have um, been, like they could have had so many opportunities where people, yeah, were buying and purchasing from them because they're quite, they sell cheap stuff. They sell a lot of like loungewear and all of these things um, and they've lost the opportunity. So I think it just shows um, that it's so important to like place yourself both on um, the physical um, side of uh, your business, but also on the digital as well, because yeah. it does make a difference. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, for sure. Um, Vanessa, <clears throat> how is my, one of my really good friends is a, is a makeup artist and she's telling me that like the implications of this virus is going to be like very detrimental on the whole beauty industry because she's saying that she now has to start wearing gloves on shoots and there's just and she has to like you know disinfect everything before the she starts after she's finished each model and she has to wear a face mask and the whole dynamic of yeah. this, even being on shoots um on set is going to be completely different and the people are so used to doing things a certain way and now this is going to be a whole new way of doing everything how do you think that's going to be impactful for you? does that affect you directly um and if it does it could have so. it could have but the advantage that we have at first we wanted obviously to make some contents here and we actually created some campaigns locally but uh, our advantage is that mm-hmm. we have uh Borde donné, I don't know, like, sorry, how to say it. We have visuals that are already created. Mm-hmm. Yes, that are already created right. that mm-hmm. we are okay. using mm-hmm. to implement in our, our digital mm-hmm. or in our, like, visual strategy. But what mm-hmm. I do know is that uh, we wanted to make some uh, beauty tutorials, etc., with uh, some makeup artists for some looks that we wanted to do and that we delayed. So clearly on their side, they might lose um like uh, clients because we would have been clients for example mm-hmm. but on this other side i feel like now everybody's searching how to how can i say how to um like for example if i'm a, a person and i want like, to know how to do my makeup i'm searching to be entertained mm-hmm. online and i see that like, there is a course online I saw that a lot of makeup artists were mm-hmm. doing courses like makeup uh, classes online. And I think that this is money that where they can mm-hmm. get money from. And, um, and that maybe before they were not talking, like they were not doing. And uh, I saw that even Facebook now are making like um, a platform where is a paid platform to, to suggest whatever you know how to do and whatever topic you want to speak about so people can pay and just attend. So imagine, imagine if she even mm-hmm. puts like 10 euro a, a makeup class and 100 people are coming because it's like mm-hmm. whoever wants to come, when yeah. people are coming, then boom. I mean, with every, with every, mm-hmm. um, yeah. with every uh, sick market comes a good opportunity. So she should, yeah, so she, opportunity. she should yeah, find the opportunity or, different. For sure. We've definitely found that. Uh, yeah, yeah. We definitely found that with our industry as well because of course we do PR marketing and mm. everything is very physical in terms of even how we engage with clients and 
this all happened and we were like okay let's do online social media consultations I guess and it's like you know making more money than we probably made in like a month yeah. in a week and yeah. like thinking this is something this is something that we would never have done had this not happened Clearly. it would have taken us a lot longer to like even think about doing stuff online yeah so yeah I, totally I think agree with you in that yeah sense. and I think now's the time where businesses exactly. need to adapt I think if your business um it's about how you come out of the situation and how you adapt to it because fair enough like there, a lot of industries are going to be affected but it's the ones that um you know really utilize this moment and see how they can um, change their business and adapt their business to still um you know connect with their target audience and still provide them a service that their target audience can buy I think those are the ones that are successful and the ones that are going to come out of this mm. without making such a loss um and I think as independent brands, I think it is hard um, because it's like you, you have to rethink yeah. your whole strategy and it's, it might be things d- coming out of your comfort zone and doing things that you would never have thought that you wanted to do or your business um, would require you to do. And I think it's just mm-hmm. important to, you know, really think outside the box and look at other um, other businesses and what they're doing and how they're being successful and using mm-hmm. that as inspiration. Um, so, yeah, so definitely I agree with that. So Vanessa, we, I mean, I think there's still so much I want to know about you. We get coming up to an hour, um, so I think that's, like we'd love to know what you're planning, what's coming up in your life, in your personal life. Like, what are your aims? What do you want to achieve? Um, say like in the next twelve months, and then like, yeah, in the, the next, next twelve years. months, clearly is to launch my my fashion brand, my fashion line. Um, yes, I'm very much on it. The uh, name is nice. already say the visual graphics and everything is done. So I, I cannot wait. Obviously, the COVID mm-hmm. made it a little bit lo- long in terms of uh, trying uh, like um, designs and stuff. But I'm very much there. There. Mm-hmm. Um, um, this is for the next twelve months in my personal on my personal thing on my on the on mm-hmm. the twelve next months of the brand. I would not say 12 next months because it's very too soon. The COVID is very much delaying everything. But let's mm-hmm. say on the five next year for the brand, what I want for the group, when I say the group is like L'Oreal group, what I would like to see mm-hmm. is more products that I feel like could work better in Nigeria or in Ghana. And yeah, yeah. And maybe uh, mm-hmm. um, what I, my dream is very much to have this group to create an amazing international brand that is made for for the continent, but internationally, not not just that mm-hmm. we're going to make something just for Nigeria. No, I want it for the world, and it's it was inspired by Nigeria mm-hmm. or or Africa, Africa or something. Mm-hmm. You know? I would love that because in general, brands what they do is yeah. they yeah. just a little thing for just the country. They don't make it internationally, but I want them mm-hmm. to use the best makeup artists, the best bloggers in the continent to create a whole brand. That would speak to everybody. That would speak to us. For example, when when we sell lipsticks here or something, I feel like a lot of people now are using mm. more not lipsticks, but more uh, not lipsticks like the form of the lipstick lipstick before, but more um, uh, you know the long lipsticks, not the lipstick that you turn like uh, before. I don't know if you see what I mean in terms of this. Mm. The the lipstick like Which the one? old lipsticks that you like- open like a lipstick. People are have, having less of the use of these ones. You're more using there's this yeah ah, okay yeah yeah like that that are like sticks for example uh-huh yeah like the so, yeah yeah mm-hmm. so I want a brand that really fits our habits 
of habits. I don't want like mm-hmm. things that looks mm-hmm. like uh, I know that at some point uh, there was a brand. I will not say which because it's a competitor. I will not give them free advertising. They create. They, they created a <laughs> brand that, that looked like a nail lacquer. And uh, you could you could open. I I ah, maybe you okay. see which uh-huh. brand I'm talking about. But they created this, and they want to sell it. For example, to black people, we don't use a, a, a blush that looks like nail polish. That you will open and you will, you will put the, yeah. the, the liquid <laughs> that looks like water in your. No, we don't. So I re- I really would like a brand that fits yeah. our our habits, fits our way to our lifestyle, you know, and and created by mm-hmm. people who knows us better. So this is yeah. Yeah. Now, that would be amazing to see, definitely. And I think that's so important that you say that because I think a lot of the times when countries or bigger organizations go to African countries or go to the continent, they want to um, like bring what works in Europe to um, Africa. And I think um, what's really um, amazing about what you're saying is really considering the people of Africa and what they want to see and um, what they use and their consumer habits and p- for providing them with a product that is for them. I think that's mm. amazing. Yeah. And in terms of your brand, what exactly is I, your brand idea? I want my brand to very much look like uh, what I like because I feel like a lot of brands doesn't portray what I mm-hmm. What I see every day in my head, like when I see, when I say I see, I want more florals, <laughs> more colors. A lot of brands are less, are more um, discreet mm-hmm. in terms of what they are doing. And uh, I'm a colorful, very joyful mm-hmm. person in general. And I want just things that you can <laughs> see from far that you just like and it goes with the wind. I want a brand that looks like uh, emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. amazing i think i have one question to oh well yeah a question Mm -hmm, to ask you just before we go so i think in terms of like your success and your journey has been amazing it's like um really inspiring to hear you speak about everything that you've achieved um and i think you've gone it seems like you've gone through some hurdles as well like can you give our community um like three tips that have really helped you be where like become the person that you are and achieve the success that you've uh, achieved so far so what are the three things that um, are fundamental or like your core ethics and values that have helped you achieve what, where you the are now? The first thing I would say be intuitive. Intuition will bring you so much more mm-hmm. than what is logical. Be intuitive. Um, mm-hmm. The second thing I would be, I, I would say be, I would not say know yourself. Because everybody likes to portray this strong situation where everybody should be strong, know themselves. No, no, I would not say no to yourself. It's too, nobody never knows themselves until the end. And I would just Mm -hmm. say, Mm -hmm. carry your weakness like they were your strength. And Mm -hmm. empower your strength. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid of your weakness. Say, no, I can't. No, I won't. No, I, no, no, no. It's okay if you can't. But what you can do is always ask yourself what, what I can do. Not what you can't do. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the third thing I would say, consistency. Whatever you do in life, mm-hmm. talented, if you're not consistent, you will fall. If like what, what, whatever, for mm-hmm. cooking, for makeup, for, whatever, for love, for whatever you do, consistency is always key. Yeah, it's, it's the only thing that gives you right at the end of the day. After everybody will tell you you're yeah, crazy because sure. you're doing this, she's crazy or she's weird. She never does this. She never does that. If you're consistent on mm-hmm. what you believe in, at some point, the opportunity will match you. Yeah. 
yeah amazing and thank you so much i want to know two people that you would um one person who i don't know is somebody that inspires you that is like accessible like somebody that you know um like a friend of yours or something and then somebody who is like a famous celebrity or like a thought leader oh my mom inspires me it's just no one else more than her uh next level Mm -hmm. and the celebrity A celebrity, a celebrity. I would have said dead or alive. Whichever. Whichever. I would have said I really love Steve. I really, really loved Steve Jobs' story. Really do. Really did. Really do. Um, Yeah, yeah, I would have said Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. And um, okay. Yeah. And what was it about him? I mean, I think everyone's inspired by him, but what was it about him particularly? He made us. I really do love Obama for a lot of reasons. But Steve Jobs made. A speech. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this speech. A speech that is life changing, a fifteen-minute speech that brings you back to mm-hmm. everything you know about yourself yes. and wish about wish for yourself and truly hope for yourself. So he basically said mm-hmm. on the speech, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to make it short, that he was an adopted kid. I don't know if you knew that he was mm-hmm. an adopted kid. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's an adopted mm-hmm. kid. He okay. said that his parents is not that. First, it takes a lot of maturity to, to know that your parents, not because they didn't like you, it's because it, he thinks that his parents didn't have what it took to educate him. So they gave him away for, to a first family, mm-hmm. for example, who didn't want him because they wanted a girl. So the second family, who, who are his parents, said, we don't care, we just want a baby. So the parents signed, the, the, mm-hmm. his biological mm-hmm. parents signed the thing, his mom signed and said like, yes. The only way I would let you, my son, is if you swear, like if you promise in the contract that you will give him education, because this is where I, this is why I'm leaving him. So they agreed. The whole life of Steve Jobs, they created a whole savings to make him go to school and to make him go to studies. And he got mm. bored in the studies. So he dropped out of school and the parents were like, no, we saved all this money for you. And he was like, no, because you're saving for nothing. And uh, I, I'm not so interested by that. And he mm-hmm. liked designs and he liked calligraphy and he liked everything. And he, and he didn't know why mm-hmm. at that time. Intuition. That's the part where I say intuition. He didn't know mm-hmm. why at that time. He just knew that what he was doing, mm-hmm. he was wasting his parents' money. So he said, no, please keep your money. And when you see his storyline and how mm-hmm. he became the first to have a design computer out of the design class he liked and mm-hmm. how his computer had the first to, to suggest different calligraphies. And then you see that it's, it's the calligraphy classes mm-hmm. that he was doing. And then he got fired out of his own company and he found it was a disaster. How could he be fired of Apple, etc., etc.? And he said it was the best mm-hmm. times of his mm-hmm. life because then he married mm-hmm. his wife, he built his family. So he's showing you through his story that whatever mm-hmm. is a closed door is by nature. Mm-hmm. Don't fight. Just see what is the opportunity mm-hmm. that he wants you to see out of this closed door. And then he got back, obviously, in Apple mm-hmm. because the, 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 everything fall, mm-hmm. fell apart because he was the face of Apple. So they brought him back. And even out of Apple, he created mm-hmm. Pixar, which is a big other company. So whatever is, I want people to know that whatever mm-hmm. is a lack of opportunity is actually a brand new, bigger one. So never see it as an obstacle. Yeah. And this is actually, yeah, everybody should see this picture once yeah. in a lifetime. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I love I love the story of Steve Jobs, and also what I love is what you were saying. He got fired, and then he created a software that Apple clearly and Apple had to buy from him. So that's also the whole concept of you know exactly yeah. like your weaknesses or something like exactly. Exactly. I like and I think that's what really and life always have something. Yeah. yeah. So sure. like that's yeah some always and that's why you yeah. should be very intuitive, consistent and and like like yeah. carry your weakness. It's okay. It's everybody has like weakness and the speech today is always like be strong. You have to know yourself. Mm. You have to and somebody who doesn't fit in this description mm. feels they like can't. Yeah, yeah, useless. No, that's true. And I yes. think just to add to your point, like a lot of if you um look at all the like most successful people, they all go through some points of weaknesses or some points of failure, but it's how you come out of it that um, really determines where you're going to be in life. So I think it's definitely important to use like your struggles and everything, like the negative um, things that happen to you in life to really motivate you to do as best as you can do to come out of the situation. Clearly, it's yeah. pure physics. We are, we are used to fall physically, but we're not used to fall mentally. You have to be able to fall and to know that it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. 100%. Look, thank you so much. Big <laughs> to you, honestly. Like, thank you for having me. It was literally a thank pleasure. You for having <laughs> as well. Yeah, it's been amazing to to somebody with so much intellect. Like, it's been really inspiring for us. Yeah. So, we really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Of course. Hopefully, when we you, can meet when you up come sometime in the, the country. Well, I sh- Kelly Haiti's there. I'm oh. in the UK. Oh, <laughs> oh, Kelly Haiti's already there. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, okay, amazing. Okay, but okay, thank you yeah. so much. And um, I think we're really just excited yeah. to see everything that you're going to do for L'Oreal, but also for yourself as well. Um, it seems like, yeah, thank I think you. your journey is amazing and has really inspired us and will inspire our community as well. So I think um, we're just excited to see um, the progress and the journey even more. Amazing. Thank amazing. you. Amazing. Thank, thank you, you so me. much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.